Blog Talk Radio. of the Mystical Matchmaker Podcast. I'm your host, Marla Martinson, matchmaker, author, and energy healer. So I'm so excited uh, today to talk with my guest. I am just going to get right into it because I have so many questions. Um, so Carrie Hummingbird is joining me today. She's a soul guide who inspires people to lead their lives wide awake with an authenticity, passion, and purpose that positively impacts others. And she says, it's time to liberate yourself from the shackles of a dehumanized world, claim your sovereignty, stand in your truth and knowing, speak up and speak out and be the change in your family systems, communities and world. So we're going to have a mystical chat about the second wave, channeling, frequencies, life purpose, shamanism, plant medicine and more. So I'm just going to bring her on right now, you guys. Hello, Carrie. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I know. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, we've been trying for a while and had some mishaps, but I guess it's all divine timing, Mm -hmm. right, when we're supposed to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. so. um, I'm so glad to have you. (laughs) Yes. Um, All right, so I've been reading your book and uh, absolutely loving it, Um, The Second Wave, and Oh, gosh. Let's just start with, well, first of all, can you talk about what you were um, doing in your life before? Were you always this spiritual master diving in, or did you have a a muggle job before? (laughs) Tell us a little Um, bit about your story. Yes, I had my earth amnesia, um, totally muggle, no clue about any of this stuff. And I I grew up without religion, so my mom specifically raised me without any religion because of her experience um, being in mid, um, Midwest Texas, Southern Baptist Church, and growing up in the Civil Rights era and seeing the hypocrisy in the church. And she just mm-hmm. really turned her off to, to, to religion. So she decided, I'm not going to raise her my daughter with any religion. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had to figure it out myself. And... I didn't really figure it out for a long time, but, um, but I, I had a regular job. You know, I did all the stuff you're supposed to do. I went to college. I went to a really good school. I graduated. Um, at the time I graduated, there was a recession in New England where I graduated. And I, so I moved across the country to Silicon Valley, and I got a job as a technical writer for software companies. And I documented application programming interfaces. <laughs> for programmers it was really dry (laughs) so wow um, yeah yeah technical but you know in a way I realized that that actually that job actually has served me well in what I'm doing now because I am a translator still I'm still translating information it's just that I'm translating uh spiritual content that uh, comes to me and then I translate it and parse it into words 
And then I share those words. And so I'm doing the same thing that I was doing in Silicon Valley, you know, trying to understand the programming mm-hmm. and what the program was doing and explain it to people. So it's the same. Yes. It's just more interesting. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. The word, co- the word codes come to me, codes, like your, the, you know, computer codes and then the spiritual codes. Mm-hmm. I, I just got that connection there. <laughs> it's and all then, logic. okay. So yeah, yeah exactly. So how long were you doing that? And then what, uh, talk to us about your, your um, awakening. Yeah, so I was doing that for about 20 years. Um, I did it as an employee for a little while, and then I quickly decided I was way too rebellious to work for somebody. So I became my, my own consultant and I entrepreneur and uh, went in and, and helped startup companies and kind of did everything for them, soup to nuts, marketing and all of that. And I liked the independence. I've always been a pretty independent person. So um, that part of my life was pretty steady and for a long time. And I also gave me time to do my artwork. So I'm also very creative. So that, mm-hmm. in, in my belief, that kept my channel open because I was able to go out in nature and um, do a lot of beautiful creativity, create beauty. And that connected me to that something bigger than me that I didn't understand at the time. I would just call it nature and um, spent a lot of time outside painting and trying to recreate nature on my little canvas. So that um, that was always my passion. I thought I was going to be an artist. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I, I kind of led that way for a while. And I, it culminated that, that part of my life, that phase of my creativity. And I wouldn't say it's over because I, I do feel my creativity coming back on in that way. But um, that part of my creativity as an artist culminated in being the director of open studios in Silicon Valley and inviting the public into artists' studios to find out more about what they do. And I loved that. And I, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought, well, this is my pathway. This is the way everyone will find out about my art and I'll be successful. (laughs) That was not true. (laughs) That was not true. Um, That was, it was a big act of service and I loved it. And that was not the, you know, reward (laughs) that was going to be getting for that work. But I did get to see a lot of artists get discovered and that made me feel good. So, um, so that, that led to us leaving Silicon Valley, kind of like I had burned up all my, my savings trying to do that job because it was a nonprofit and we had to move, you know, we had two little small kids and Mm -hmm. the pressure of Silicon Valley finances was crippling. So yeah, anybody that lives out there, I love you all. You know, it's terrible. (laughs) Um, The amount of money it costs to live out there. So so we uh, we can move to Texas to be closer to my parents. And that's really when, you know, there has already been pressure building toward my awakening, but that move back to be closer to my parents is when it really busts the dam open. And it was largely because um, when I had my children, um, I started having um, more pressure on my mental health. Um, all of a sudden, this subconscious stuff was coming to the surface. I didn't know what it was. But I was really depressed. I had postpartum depression, like, pretty badly. I was in a support group for that. Um, And this is building on having been in psychotherapy for a couple decades already, like, well, for 10 years already at that point, um, trying to sort myself out. So, you know, here I am, I have kids. It gets, like, unexpectedly worse for no explainable reason. And I'm trying to cope with all these feelings. They put me on the happy pills. And I'm doing all that. And then the thing fails with Silicon Valley open studios. And then we moved to Texas and then I'm right in the heart of all my stuff. Cause I'm with my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 
all the stuff, you know, the stuff that, that you think is done when you're a kid and right. then it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so oh it was gosh. intense. Yeah. And I married my mom. So my ex-husband was mm-hmm. very similar to my mom in personality. So I had both of them. So I was like double whammy on a pattern that I needed to heal. And they're not bad people. You know, it's just that mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that vulnerability of being in the pattern that you need to heal that's just so painful. And here's like double the source of it, you know. And yeah. I, and I, yeah. so I was forced into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all, we all do that. We end up marrying somebody that we have uh, core wounds that we need to heal that match or something. It's very interesting because as a matchmaker and doing read lots and lots of readings, I get a lot of calls from women who, and, and I'm going to get into this later too, because I, I want to talk about love and stuff, but we'll talk about, um, these women and what they're, what they're calling me about. But, but first, okay. So, so then from there, um, you, I know, I read about you getting a, a blast of like a white light to the back of your head. Is that, was that one oh, of the yeah. first things? That was, about that, that. Was, uh, that was a pivotal moment. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So that happened after I decided to leave my marriage. So I, I got a sign the end of the rope. It said, no more. That's it. Okay. So I left my marriage, you know, I was <laughs> like, I had sat down mm-hmm. my husband down and I said, I saw the end of the rope, got to leave. And that was very shocking for him. It was like the rug being pulled out. But what happened was um, the first six months, I started sorting myself out. Like, you know, you've got to detangle and figure out who's you. And then I got in with a spiritual teacher. And then that incident you're talking about, I started already been in a spiritual program studying for about a year, year and a half. And um, mm-hmm. I was starting to do shamanic drum journey, and I was getting into shamanism, and that was something that felt really natural to me. And I wanted to connect with my own roots. My um, my roots, my indigenous roots um, are Cherokee, so I'm mostly Irish and English and all that, but I do have a great-great-grandmother who's full-blooded blood of Cherokee, and I wanted to connect back with that. And so I was trying to do that in the village, and the first time I went, they said, no, we can't really help you, you know? And then the second time I went, a year later, um, I had my sons with me, and I was and by now I'm desperate because I really feel like I need to connect with whatever this is, and it needs to happen really soon because it's like getting, I have this, um, it's more than an obsession. It's like a need. It's like it needs to happen. I don't know how to make it happen, and I have to make it happen. So I somebody finally took pity on me, this uh, <laughs> this man that was, that was working the display, uh, one of the making arrowheads and things like that. And he said, his name was Bruce, and it just he just so happened to come there for the day, you know, just the day that I was there, you know. So he yeah. said, okay, I'll help you, you know, I'll help you out in the parking lot. I was like, all right. So he's, I started walking out to where he said he was going to meet me. And suddenly I got this, like, blast of white light, like, energy, like you said, this, like, a softball size energy through the back of my head. It literally felt like somebody flung a softball through the into the back of my head and it came in and it started spreading out all over my brain. And then I was seeing the trees wow. breathing and I was dizzy and I felt like some major thing was happening and I had no idea what it was. And I told my sons, I got to sit down, like something's just happened. And that sensation went on for a couple of weeks. Like um, I, I, I was able to regain some, ability to drive and things like that but I still like had this ability to like see trees breathing and like the earth pulsing and things Mm -hmm. like that which I'd never seen and Mm -hmm. um and 
I started talking with this man shortly after this bruise and he said, you know, you have too many thinking, like you're thinking way too much. And pretty much after that point, I started working with, um, I started becoming aware on the inside that there was a remembrance of another lifetime, whether it's my ancestors or mine, where I was on the trail of tears and I was a medicine man on the trail of tears, like a peace chief. And I, I felt everything he felt like just all the grief of people dying, all the children and women and, and people I loved like dying and crossing over to the other world and being able to see them in the other world. Like, cause I can see both worlds, mm-hmm. seeing them in the other world and seeing them in this world and, and wanting to be with my, with my beloved in the other space, not wanting to be in this third dimension anymore, not wanting to be on this trail of tears and this suffering and, and also feeling responsible for advocating for peace. And then like having that, that advocate, you know, people listening to me because they trusted me as, you know, as a channel of spirit and then to see the outcome, like to go, wow, I just, they trusted me. I gave them this advice and now look like they're all dying Mm -hmm. and it's my fault, like really taking responsibility for it. And, and so much grief and shame and, and powerful feelings that, um, that this, it took me several years just to um, diminish, like to heal that, to dissolve that pain so that if somebody brought it up, I didn't like start crying immediately, you know, like um, yeah. a lot of healing ceremonies and a lot of work. So it's in journaling and as, with this aspect and like just every modality you can imagine to like interact with this aspect right. of me. And then finally that aspect after, like a couple, a couple of years ago, finally integrated with me fully, like just came in and said, you know what? I'm here for you. I love you mm-hmm. completely. And I'm like, I forgive you completely. And I'm here for you. Which still makes me want to cry. Mm-hmm. So oh. it was powerful. And, so, and, you know? and, and where, where was this when you said you went and, you know, where in the parking lot and with, you know, all the oh, well, this was stuff the, you were doing? At a lofty village in, um, in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, this is Cherokee okay. territory and it's just uh-huh. you know it's a replica village so it's it's not like um one of their sacred spaces or anything it is a sacred space for them but right. it's not you know it's a public space it's like for us mm-hmm. to go and see how they live you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. tourists come in and check mm-hmm. it out you know and you right, know a lot right. of tourists go there but they go there because they have Cherokee ancestry and they want to they want to connect with yeah. it however way they can and that's one way that right. you can do it and and a lot of your um, modalities, uh, one of them was plant medicine journeys, which I've done a lot of those too. And there, there's nothing like it. I think it's the most powerful thing <laughs> I've ever done in my life. <laughs> so talk a little bit about that. What kind of plant medicine and, you know, what you're, um, because a lot of people are interested in it or have heard about it, but are not sure what, if they should do it. And Sometimes people say, well, I'd like to try that, but once or something, but it's not, um, I would say it's not a one-time thing. You're not going to, it progresses yeah. on each journey, but talk a little bit about plant medicine journeys and what, you know, your experience was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everybody has a unique experience with it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience with it was, after I'd already trained, I'd already done training with the four winds light body. So I'd already gone through a pretty hefty, significant program. I also studied with Heather Ashmara, warrior goddess work. And I only bring that up to say, like, I'd already done like years of in-depth spiritual work before I ever touched mm-hmm. plant medicine. 
And, um, and because what I found was that I had a lot of clearing to do, you know, like I had a Mm -hmm. lot of stories and a lot of programming around being crazy and all this kind of stuff. So I needed to clear a lot of that out and get grounded. And then, then it opened up for me. Then there was an opportunity and somebody I trusted invited me and I said, okay, I'll try this. And it was that kind Mm -hmm. of feeling like, I'll just try this and see how it goes. Well, I signed up for like a whole weekend, you know, it's like two ceremonies and I signed up and I did the ceremonies and it was powerful. And I worked with ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. ayahuasca is a powerful teacher of the divine feminine. And I remember I thought I was all cleaned out. Like I thought I was all grounded and secure and I knew everything. And because I'd done all this, you know, work with the four winds and I'd been practicing healing for a while and I thought I really had it together. And then I did an ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's the divine feminine mother teaching me something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it really yeah. floored me. And um, yeah. it was profound. I remember at the end of the first ceremony, I could actually hear my ego chattering. Like, wow. it wouldn't it didn't yeah. shut up. Like it was like after, right. It was, everybody else is lying down and it's like time to sleep. And my brain, my ego mind is just like chattering on and on and on and on and on. And it's so loud in my brain. And I just finally went to ayahuasca. I said, can you please just make that stop? And it just, and it stopped. It just went away. Mm. And I haven't really had to that ever again, but it was amazing. The awareness of it, right? Like that thing is always yeah. chattering on. Right. And it's, it's so much right. noise. Like it's so yeah. much noise how can you hear anybody talking if that's going on inside your brain, you know? Mm-hmm. So that too many thinking thing that really started making sense to me now. You know? <laughs> so yeah, right. I've done a lot of ayahuasca ceremonies. It's a path for me. I mean, I've, I've worked with it a lot and it's because it's a powerful medicine for healing. Um, I've worked with other medicines as well, but um, mm-hmm. she's definitely a very powerful teacher. Yeah. And I've only worked with psilocybin, um, uh, the mushrooms and it, it, and it's, um, God, it's also so powerful and it goes, I was clearing past lives and, and, you know, I've done maybe about eight, um, journeys and, and each one builds on the next, like you're, you know, re recalibrating the nervous system, clearing past lives, crying and crying and crying, releasing, releasing, releasing. And then, and after you get, I noticed after, you know, after quite a few, then, you can, cause I would never have been able to sit up and talk or do, but then I started channel. I started channeling the Pleiades, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the so Pleiades awesome. started coming, yeah, coming through me. And I was like, what? And, and it just, my, it was doing this light language. Like it just started. I didn't, you know, think it was just going. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so incredible. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's, I, yeah, it's life changing stuff. I also like You're ready for it. I mean, Psilocybin is also a really powerful medicine. It works a lot like ayahuasca. Yeah. They're sisters, you know, they're yeah. sister medicines. Uh-huh. So they, they okay. are sisters in the sense they do very similar work, but they are different medicines. Um, yeah. So sometimes when I work with psilocybin now, I might want a little bit more of an ayahuasca-ish ceremony, but I have psilocybin, uh-huh. so I'll be like, can you please mimic, you know, can you bring her along? So oh. both of them. Once you ingest any medicine, it's in your body forever. It's yeah. a consciousness. So yeah. once you once it passes yeah. your lips and it's in your body, uh-huh. now it's a matrix of consciousness that can be activated at any time. And I want to say that because you actually don't have Ooh. to ingest medicine. 
in order to make that happen uh-huh. again, you can bring yourself into trance and the medicine will come out and flourish for you in ceremony with ritual. So you actually don't have to adjust mm. it again. It's not necessary. But, you know, for some people it is until there's enough um, clearing of the, the chattery ego. There, it is mm-hmm. necessary to, to kind of stomp that thing down so that you can, you know, like have a, a moment of peace. So it, you know, it mm-hmm. does, you can actually, the plants can actually bring each other in and they can work together. That's fascinating. Now, how would someone put themselves in trance? Uh, just some meditation with drumming or what would you, like, how would you get into trance if you were going to do that to be able to access that again? Well, you know, healing ceremonies are, are trance states. Um, working with a drum or doing a drum journey meditation, that's a trance state. So like drumming, having a drum of your own or listening to a drum journey meditation or going to a drum journey meditation where there's just like certain um, rates that the drum is being drummed that actually bring your brain down from beta into alpha and theta. Um, also mm-hmm. breathing techniques, you know, doing deep belly breathing um, ritual is another way that just shifts your mind. So that's why ritual is such an important thing. So when I say ritual, I mean, like, um, I do like uh, new moon and full moon prayer ceremony rituals over zoom, right? So people come on, there's no medicine mm-hmm. in the sense of like a physical something you're ingesting, but you sure feel like mm-hmm. something's going on, you know, because mm. we're in a trance state, like we're in a different, we're mm-hmm. an altered reality. When, we, when, I, when I call in the four directions, you know, when I open sacred space, that's another way to invite this in. Opening sacred space, welcoming the south, the west, the north, and the east, welcoming the earth below and all the stars and the sun and the moon above, and welcoming all your guides and ascended masters and all your ancestors and saying, yes, please welcome. We're opening our ceremony. We welcome you to it. And, you know, you can invite whoever you want, you know. So I always invite Jesus for, you know, Christians are listening and they're mm-hmm. afraid of this. I always invite Jesus. You know, Jesus comes along as like just along with everybody else you know so it's kind of like um i invite all that and then i say okay for our highest good and only for our highest good we're going to do this ceremony now and then we use the rattle to kind of get the mind Mm -hmm. dislodged from its fixed place um and then we just start using breath work so breathing you know breathing it into the into you know so there's and it's like ritual is making it tangible. It's taking the intangible and making it tangible. So we create a prayer bundle, an offering with, with leaves and flowers, and we blow our stuff into the leaves and the flowers, and we put it in there. It's like, it's just think like little kids can make whole worlds in their imagination, and it's real for them. And we're, we can do that as adults. And the thing is, we don't realize when we're in our adult egoic mind Everything you're doing in these rituals is real. It's actually shifting it energetically and consciously. And the shift will ripple out and show up in your physical life if you give it a chance to. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're so stuck in our minds. Yeah. Like we think, oh, if I don't see it, it's out. I can't believe it. Uh, well, you will see it once right. you believe it. You'll, you'll see it plenty. Right. So. That's where ritual helps us to get out of that egoic, chattery mind I was talking about. That's the thing that's blocking you from spirit. That's the thing that's blocking all of us. Like, is that chattery ego mind that just won't shut up? Mm-hmm. And I imagine, you know, I know on, on YouTube, um, for free, you can. there's breath work um, uh, sessions. There's uh, drum music. There's all sorts of things. If people wanted to turn that on and, you know, be guided what with their ceremony or something. Um, so that's kind of cool. Talk about white Eagle. You started channeling, um, an Indian guide. Yes. Yeah, so, um, 
it's a it's related to my my walk in we would call it or the other personality the other past life or how I don't know how you want to talk about it there's so many ways to talk about uh-huh. it we are multidimensional you know so right so white eagles so an talk aspect a little bit about the yeah yeah the walk in thing talk a little bit about that and then get, yeah yeah so when there. that happened when that happened when that ball of energy came in and this process started I realized that this was I realized much later that that oh that's a walk in like that's what happened mm. like I, like but in this case it didn't like oust fully oust the person I was before you know it's like that's mm-hmm. still there too it was more like an integration so mm-hmm. it's more like I was talking to you about I love you know Carrie loves why you know this medicine chief white eagle I love you and I and thank you for helping me to honor myself because he helped me to honor myself he helped me to honor mm-hmm. myself as a woman which I never did before and mm-hmm. like little by little was teaching me from the inside how I wasn't honoring myself and putting boundaries in place and speaking my truth and loving on myself and he was teaching me all these lessons on the inside and then I was mm-hmm. witnessing his pain from the trail of tears and I was helping him to heal. Like I physical body carry taking him to healing sessions so we can get help to heal that pain because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in charge of the body. Right. So I, it's like a partnership Mm -hmm. now. And, and then it finally opened up and like, it keeps evolving, but um, I kept getting signs along the way, like everywhere I was getting signs, white Eagle, white Eagle, white Eagle, but I wasn't paying attention to any of that. You know, I was like, Oh, that's cool. White Eagle. I don't know what that means. You know, and then like keep going on. And mm-hmm. um, then right before I published the book. So last year, um, the second wave, uh, 2019, February, I got this, the message. You're going to write this book. I said, what's it about the second wave? I said, okay, I have no idea what that's about. I started channeling it. And, it, and I realize I'm channeling it because I'm, like, doing a d- totally different process than I normally do. So it's kind of more like a process I do in my healing sessions where I'm getting out of the way and just allowing something to flow through. And then the words are coming out on the computer, and I'm trying not to look at them because I don't want to interrupt mm-hmm. the flow. So this whole book pours out of me. And I keep asking, who should I say is this channeling this? And they're like, oh, you know, just say it's a great spirit. I was like, oh, okay, but that doesn't mm-hmm. seem very specific, you know. <laughs> That doesn't mm-hmm. really work. So this went on for months, and then finally the book's like pretty much done. It's in review, and I'm like, all right, I'm getting ready to publish this thing. So I do this, I do this med- another medicine journey, and I get into the journey, but I do it with a different plant I hadn't worked with yet, and it's a heart medicine plant. And so I get into this heart medicine journey, and I think nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And so I'm just breathing, trying to get in trance and relax myself to allow my brain to let go and and then all of a sudden I'm in it and I'm so in it. I'm like immersed in it. Like I'm just like overcome by the journey and then I'm sitting up and I'm talking to white Eagle. <laughs> like what wow. is going on? And all of this is happening. Like I'm yeah. actually like seeing him in front of me, sitting in front of me, mm-hmm. telling me he's connecting mm-hmm. all the dots. I can see his hands. Like, it's just like yeah. amazing, you know? And like all the dots in my life connected. Remember when I sent you this message? How about this one over here? This, 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 this. Mm-hmm. Like this are all the connected dots. And what a blessing. Like yeah. <laughs> what a relief. Yeah. So he put my name on the cover because it's really my book. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm on the cover. <laughs> so. Yeah, in those journeys, you know, we connect uh, also besides the um, Pleiades channeling through me. Then I started 
making these noises and stuff like, and I said, and just, and it's interesting how you just know things. It's like, you just know it. And I said, that's fairy. And, and I was channeling fairy energy. And then there was the, the Jaguar spirit came and I was like, <sighs> you know, so the Jaguar spirit came. It's so interesting. These spirits and the, these entities and these energies come and you just automatically know who they are. And um, it's, yeah, just like White Eagle, he just came in and you knew it and could see him and talk and all of that. It's just so powerful. And then, um, let's see. So, yeah, you talk about the second wave, and that's Dolores Cannon's uh, work, uh, the second wave. She talked a lot about that. So you're sharing um, the attributes of the second waivers and what the second wave means. So. Um, she had spoken about all these people who are the second wave and you say, you know, we're the, the mystics, the healers, the shamans. So talk a little bit about what the second wave is, who these people are. And then you did do a little exercise in the book to find out if you are part of the second wave, which was very cool, which I, I did that exercise this morning. So, yeah. Yeah, And it was like, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Yeah, so the second wave, well, okay, so Dolores Cannon's work was a subconscious work, so she interviewed like thousands of people in a, in a, hypno, in a hypnotic state that she conversed with their souls, and their souls are the ones that started saying, hey, I'm part of the first wave, I'm part of the second wave. So that's just kind of the, the closing the loop on that. And so then yeah. in my journey, um, I, I realized, okay, so who is the second wave? And it's basically where we came to transition human consciousness from the inside out. So this is a planet of free will. You cannot just like have aliens land on earth and tell everybody, Hey, we're going to do this. Like, cause they won't listen. They're like, they yeah. totally don't have to. And they're like, screw you. And they'll get their bombs. We've seen plenty of movies where that happens, right? Like aliens try to yeah. land on the planet and like tell us something. So um, <laughs> we, you know, it has to be from the inside out. It ha- you have to look yeah. like a human. You have to be a human and you have to experience human. You have to know what human is like. So a lot of second waivers really haven't even been to this planet before. It's the first time. So there's a lot of shock. It's like, you're, you're the one in your family who you didn't understand. You're like, why do people act like this? Like it, you were the one mm-hmm. that was really shocked. Like how come people aren't nicer or more loving or, you know, why are people so mean? Or are you really like naive, you know, like Pollyanna-ish? Mm-hmm. They're like, why, why come you don't get this is the way it is on earth, you know? Like, so you might be the only one who was really like confused and, and just turned around by all this. And, and so that and you probably picked a family where there's some patterns of suffering, but also some really big magic, you know, back in the ancestry, some really big power. Probably your ancestors have overcome like just tons of really difficult challenges, and um, you're here, so they succeeded. So you want that strength, you know. We want that strength in the lineage. We want we want to bring that into new earth, and we got to clean up some messes along the way. So when when the ancestors die without cleaning up their messes, that becomes karma. You know, so um, mm-hmm. all of our, we inherit that in our DNA. And then we got to clear that and, and heal it in order to, to live life fully as ourselves. So the second wave people just chose pretty challenging lines that have a lot of strength, but a lot of also like stuff that needed cleaning and healing. Mm-hmm. And as we heal ourselves, we heal our, our ancestors seven generations forward and seven back, as well as we upgrade our energetic body with new light codes that emanate to other people by our sheer presence and are holding that state of being it emanates out 
so it emanates from our voice because our voice is connected through our throat to our heart. And so the more loving mm-hmm. our heart is, the more crustless our heart is, the more decrusted, you know, then that, mm-hmm. that love pours out, you know, into the airwaves. So that's what we're doing. We're, we are healing ourselves so that we can be more, we can be more love. We can be love in this human paradigm. And, and, and a lot of the other disruptions that are happening on the planet at this time are to serve us and help us um, in our job. Because um, probably if you're second wave, your big awakening and, and big like upheaval in your life happened, you know, around 2011 between then and now, like, and probably mm-hmm. about three years ago, you started getting the message of the time is now. And you started really mm-hmm. kind of getting concerned about that. Like, what does that mean? I think I have something really big and important to do. I have no idea what that is. I hope I remember. So right. this is it. Clearly, we all know. Like, this is it. This is what well, we came here for. And what was fascinating was in, in your yeah, – yeah, Go ahead. And it was fascinating that, that you wrote this book in 2019. And what you said was the earth is in the middle of a transition that will last for 2,150 years age of Aquarius, you heard um, what the change will formally begin in the year 2020. Yes. That was, so that was pretty uh, incredible. (laughs) Because when I read that, I wrote that, I said, when did she write this book? When did this come out? How did she know this change will begin in the year 2020? It's a shit show, you know, so. Well, we need a shit show in order to wake up. I mean, you know, think about your own life when you started waking up. You had a shit show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's you went. Oh, yeah. this is yeah. really bad. I changed. It's still, it's still a bit of a shit show. It's still working it out. It's okay. <laughs> my, my own situation, you know, it's still uh, healing. So it's interesting. So, but you know, we're not shit yeah. on the top. We're not mountain top. We're not on the mountains. We're, this is not that lifetime. You know, right. we're not on the mountain top. We're not like. You know, some people did choose, I don't know how they're doing it, to have the pleasure lifetime this lifetime, but most of us are choosing that next lifetime. You know, like we're going to get the hard work done now and then we'll like have a good mm-hmm. lifetime taken back. So, yeah, we're just, we're in or the Or maybe we it. don't have it's to come good. back if we can f- clean it up. Yeah. Maybe we don't have to come back. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> great. Now, now that you were talking about the crust and, and you said the crust of, of the human, the cr- a crack in the crust is a gift for accessing the divine spark and those with a crack are the shamans, the mystic or what people call crazy. So um, (laughs) talk a little bit about the crust of the human and those of us who have a crack in the crust. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my crack, when I started realizing this, it was because um, I always had this crack and what was the crack in my foundation? You know, talk, talk about the foundation of your upbringing. Um, For me, I had three different dads. From zero to seven. Mm-hmm. So I had three totally different male figures in my life from zero to seven and a lot of trauma. We moved and all this kind of stuff happened. So I didn't have like one fixed perspective um, in my mind about what relationship looked like, what father figure looked like, or even what mother figure looked like. Cause my mom behaved differently with every single one of those guys, right? Like things were different. The mm-hmm. dynamic was different. So, you know, it was, it was, it was only safe in the last one, you know, the last mm-hmm. one was the, the lucky charm and that lasted till he, my dad passed away a couple of years ago, but that, that it put a crack in the foundation of, of, of my mind as to what's true, because a mm-hmm. lot of people that have the same town, they never leave their town. 
They they yeah. live close to their parents. They always have the same parents. Everything's the same, same, same. They go to the same school. They, uh, you know, they have all the same kids. You know, it's like same, same, same. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for people with that to embrace that there's other ways of living. But when you have a crack in your foundation, like you moved around a lot or you had changes like I had, it's like, oh, wait a second. There's a billion different ways to live. Like this, I'm right. only in one so when you have that open up for you, you realize that you've been programmed to have that idea because there's other ideas yeah. you could have. And then you open up to shape-shifting, which is like what you do when you move. Okay, when you're a little kid and you have to move between schools, you learn how to shape-shift because all of a sudden you realize that whatever was going on in your previous experience, maybe you were the kid that was picked on, you're going to go into your new town. Nobody knows you, so you can be whoever you want. So then you're like, oh, wait a second. I don't want to be the kid gets gets picked on this time. I'm going to change. So you change yourself, right? So it's that fluidity. It's like that is what creates the magician in you Mm is the realization that you are not your name or your church you go to or your school you went to or your family Mm -hmm. or you're not that. That's your programming that's not who you are. Something deeper inside is who you are. And when you figure that out, you're, you turn into the territory of like shaman, medicine person, you know, of your own life. Shapeshifter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Accessing that divine spark. So you talk about closing the book of fate and open. Um, and then when you do that, people talk a little bit about what that is. And then people tra- transitioning your life. I've, I've noticed that I used to be such a magnet. Well, I guess it was codependency where I would, be a magnet for all these people, unstable, crazy people, um, and, you know, all this drama. And, and, and then <clears throat> later, you know, I'm working on myself, working on myself. And then some people would just, you know, like spin out. They weren't there anymore. And then something interesting, because you were talking about when we're, we have that crack and stuff. So every re- uh, romantic relationship I had, marriages and living with people, um, I, I'm not one of those people who got married once and stayed in the same place or anything. I'm jumping around to marriages, jumping around to cities, jumping around to jobs. <laughs> I was really, you know, <laughs> doing that. But, but the, but the men, it seems sometimes I'd say, do I, I just seem to bring out the worst in people because the anger that um, my husband's or, you know, boyfriend's would show towards me uh, the verbal abuse and the insults and the anger, just the looks on their faces was, and I was, and looking back, I wonder if, you know, because I, I was always working on myself spiritually, they were not, maybe that uh, frequency or something or energy or something that was happening was making them angry. Um, I, I don't know. What, what do you have to say about, about that? <laughs> did write about um, the close in the book of fate and open the book of destiny and people that transition out of your life. Yeah. So, we have some really interesting soul agreements that we make um, as part of the second wave because we know we're here. Like, let's say our soul knows uh, coming into this situation, um, going to um, be in service to the collective and to certain individuals, right. Um, To assist in their Mm -hmm. evolution. And um, so there are soul agreements that are made. And so you, you do wind up attracting people. Like when I attracted my former, um, the father of my children, 
you know, there was, like, lightning across the room, like the lightning thing. I was like, oh, this must be my soulmate because his, his like, all lit up, you know? Like, this has got to be yeah. my guy. Like, And it wasn't until I went to energy medicine school that, um, and I was listening to Alberto Vialdo saying, um, when you see the lightning across the room, run. Because that person probably mm. killed you in another life, you know, like, wow, that's your body yeah. thing. Get away from this person. But we think love is so dramatic. Like, we think it's like this this sexy, you know, electric mm-hmm. thing. And right. really, that's a seduction. Now, it is on purpose so that you'll get involved, right? Because you're supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, supposed to. You have this, like, life plan that you agreed that you and this person were going to work some stuff out. So you did agree to it. And that, that sexy seduction thing is to get you to seal the deal, you know, so that you'll, like, mm-hmm. dive in. But if you can be uh-huh. savvy to it, you can do the work without, like, having to go quite so far, you know, into the pain and the suffering part. You can just go, oh, wow, this person I've got some soul karma connection with. Let's work it out. You know, we've got tools for that now. So I would say, um, and then I've had my coach, one of my coaches recently, like, corrected me. And he's like, I think that all your stuff this time around, Carrie, was dharma. I don't think it was karma. Mm -hmm. And he could be right Mm -hmm. about that because, you know, I am working with an ascended master. Some aspect of me is that white eagle. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I was created in this lifetime to be a vessel to go through a set of experiences so I could really relate to humanity you know, and, and be a, a, a leader, you know, and a, and a sage and a, you know, a messenger. So in order to do that, I have to, I have to have the experiences. Otherwise it's just a yeah. bunch of malarkey. He's going to believe me <laughs> if I haven't gone through right. it. They'll totally dismiss me. So I think right. it could be right. It could have been my Dharma, you know, so, and that could be the same for anybody in the second wave. You know, you kind of feel like, gosh, what did I do in a former life to deserve all this crap? You know, so um, maybe right. you signed up for it so you could embody and heal it and understand it because you're here for a bigger picture, which is entering right now. Like we're in that portal mm-hmm. where um, the upheaval. So the book of fate is like who you thought you were, who you thought you were and who you thought you had to be and how you thought things worked, like the banks and the school systems and the history books and the, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now we're, we're see how it's all peeling back. Like we're like right. noticing we're like, wait a second, history books leave out all kinds of information that should be in there about slavery. What are you talking about? This information is not public. You mean this has been going on even in 1960s and 70s and 80s? Mm-hmm. The same stuff? Like, you know, so mm-hmm. the, it's like the veil is being ripped back and we're seeing like the banking system and we're, see, we're seeing everything in its falsity and how we were conditioned mm-hmm. to think. And so the collective is getting that now. Well, just think like in your own life when that happened for you and you were kind of like the only one going through the spiritual upheaval and everybody else is like, what's the matter with you? You know, like, right. well, now they're all going to be going through it. Okay. Cause it's like a mass awakening. So we have to be yeah. strong and grounded. So how are we going to be strong and grounded if we don't first in our personal lives have dealt with some pretty difficult types of people? Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, because you have to, like, the codependency thing you talked about. Like, the codependency uh-huh. thing is getting love from outside of yourself, getting security and validation right. from outside of yourself. And we're programmed to do that. So this journey, this spiritual journey, takes you out of that modality and plunks you right into the only source there is for your validation. Mm-hmm. And that means mm-hmm. that a lot of these other people, they have to go. Because they're not, 
you know, they don't, it, they can come back in a new way later if it's appropriate. But you, if as long as you need somebody's love to show up for you in a certain way, you're still addicted to the matrix, and you you can't. You know, then then you have a you have a loophole that you can you can be um, derailed. You can be derailed in your mission. So you have to be. It's like the Jedi. Like that's why the Jedi and Star Wars they say you're not supposed to have any spouses or anything. Because, like, look what happens when your mom gets tortured. You lose your brain. You know, you go and kill like mm-hmm. the whole population, which messes with the energy. Right. So, and we're not here to do, like we're here to be like Jedi. So we have to like. We, we have to be strong in the source. We have to be strong in ourselves. And so we have to be able to not need anybody else's love in order to feel love. Mm-hmm. And, and the uh, codependency also shows up as trying to manage other people's emotions or their experience or, you know, worried about how they're going to react and all of that. So I think a lot of us, we just can't, we're not there yet where we can let someone else have their own experience and handle their own emotions. And we handle ours and we're separate people, you know, um, handling this stuff. We, we blend so much and worrying about what's going on with them. And I see it. I I work, um, I do a lot of uh, readings, card reading, intuitive readings, and I work on the psychic hotline um, part time. And it's a lot of fun because most, since I'm a matchmaker for 22 de- for 20 years, two decades, I get a lot of calls on about relationships. So it's a mix of, you know, intuitive coaching readings. And I carry, I was never, I've been just shocked in the past few months doing this about uh, really a lot about for the past six or seven months, most of the calls, I mean, a good percentage of them are women wanting to know if their ex is going to come back or if their ex is still thinking about them or his, their ex, they're, they're with someone else now, but are they happy? Are they staying with that person? Are they thinking about me? Um, you know, so I'm, I just, I don't know if you have any perspective on this, but there are thousands of women going, <laughs> going through this. Now. I, I'm not the only one getting calls daily on this question so yeah let me can't wait to hear what you have to say about this one (laughs) three three little words claim your power that thing happened because you have to claim your power and you know whatever and also gosh there's so much to say here I'm gonna I'm going to ask the question in that relationship were you truly honoring yourself because if you were not truly honoring yourself in that relationship, then the partner you attracted was one that actually did not truly honor you. And that addiction to that relationship is actually the addiction to self-shame. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is a deep pattern in the feminine collective that we are clearing right now, which is mm-hmm. this, like, first of all, this belief that, that your validation happens from whatever guy is with you. Um mm-hmm. Second of all, that you're shameful, you know, somehow and that you need, you know, like you need to be, uh, your sexuality is wrong or, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of messages around things just not being correct or um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of mixed messages. And then there's also like um, being put on a pedestal, you know, being put on a pedestal Mm -hmm. by a guy and like really liking that whole experience. But then it's a false pedestal. It's not real. You can fall off of it. So right. in order to really claim your power, you got to have both feet on the ground. 
and know who you are and know your heart and speak your truth and be sovereign and have your own throne that you made for yourself Mm -hmm. that you're sitting in and be able to be in your own space, no matter what anybody else says, your mom, your dad, your kids, your ex-partner, whoever, it doesn't matter what they think. You be in your truth and you be strong there and in your knowing Mm -hmm. and tapped into your intuition. And when you actually honor yourself that way, when you honor yourself that way and you love yourself and you advocate for yourself and you listen to your inner child and you protect her because you're her mommy and you do that for yourself, you will attract a partner that is so unbelievably fabulous that you'll blow your mind. Because I've done it. I have that partner now. I mean, he so loving and he does ritual with me he does ceremony with me we walk the spiritual mm-hmm. path together he says i mean everything i wanted check 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 he's a massage therapist now too and he gives me massage mm-hmm. he helps me work out all my kinks like he is amazing as a partner and he's a great dad wow and i you know the the woman i was nine years ago he wouldn't have looked at me twice he'd have been like oh that's trouble <laughs> no like he wouldn't oh, have gone yeah. for it because he's smart well, it's yeah, and and a lot of the women who call wanting the ex back, they'll even tell me, well, he cheated, well, he's using some drugs, or he drinks too much, or he's, I don't really trust him, but there's still just, but is he going to call me tonight? Is he going to come back? Is he going to addiction? When are are we going to get married? Some of them say, are we going to have a child together? And I, one woman called me and she wanted to know if she was going to have a child with this guy. She was in her 40s. He was in his 20s. He was not coming home. He was, and I said, if you have a child with this guy, you're going to be a single mother crying your eyes out. I said, why would you want to do this? And she was like, oh, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, it's a delusion. So So you have to snap out of the Maya, you know? Yeah. It's a a hucha delusion. (laughs) That's what it is, I think. (laughs) Karma. So, yeah, and it's all about what you said. You you have to heal yourself. You have to love yourself. You have to, be, you know, put yourself on that pedestal and be grounded and know who you are and all of that instead of looking for it outside for, for a guy who's not even a guy who's treating you well or respecting you to um, expecting that to um, make everything okay. Oh, it's better to be with a There's cat so or a much. dog. That you, you know, they, yeah. they admire you. <laughs> You know, there's so much of that conversation. I I mean, it's just such a big conversation, but it is important. It's a really important inquiry. My first book is called Awakening to Me, and that book is Mm -hmm. helpful for people that are sort of like, um, like when I started writing that book, I wanted a daddy. Okay, so let's just Mm -hmm. say that I wanted a man Mm -hmm. that was a daddy when I started writing that book. Um, So that's where I was, and um, there's no shame in that. You know, I understand, I understand how it feels and there's this, there's better places to go. Like there's so much better places to go where you're totally empowered in your own voice and your own truth. And you like, and you've got a man who's like, like looking at you and going, you are everything I ever wanted. Like, I love you so much. And, and I, and you're looking at them going, yeah, you're like really a wonderful person. Like you have integrity and you do what you say you're going to do and you're, caring and kind and you work on yourself and you know you work on yourself with me like that's the kind of partner mm-hmm. you want to have but you got to be the person right. that does that for yourself 
first. Because if you don't do that and you expect somebody else to just fix your life, well, then you're going to end up in these kind of situations. Absolutely. And I also get a lot of women telling me that they're with, they're with a narcissist or they were, their ex was a narcissist. I've never heard so much about narcissist uh, personality disorder uh, in the, you know, the last few years. It's really come up a lot. Um, this is about claiming so your power. So same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like the narcissist mm-hmm. thing, I had a partner that also could not admit he was wrong. Everything was always my fault. Mm-hmm. So, again, the person mm-hmm. came to me goes through a lot of that. But it's important to claim your power. It's the same thing. So what? You have a partner that all that's doing is calling you forth to know your truth so that you're, you're being faced with gaslighting so that you can know your truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's so, well, that's interesting. He's yeah, because, because I, I know I have a question about that because I've talked to women who do maybe they'll have a partner or a husband who, who is always right, who, it, it, you know, yeah, they'll blame you for everything. There's never going to say you know, it's always like, I'm right, you're wrong, they have to be right. So if somebody has a partner like that, and then that's calling you, what did you just say? It's calling you to your truth. It's calling you to um, It's calling you forth to know your truth. Forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then uh, those people, they really don't change. So do you see that then it's calling you to your truth and then leaving that person or if they stay, it's going to be the same, and they'll just have to keep taking those hits, but and then keep working on themselves. So, yeah, like it's a case by case. So, yeah, sometimes yeah. you can change the energy. So sometimes you can shift mm-hmm. the energy, and things change. Sometimes you can you can work on yourself, and you can make such vast improvement on your own boundaries that then that external person does shift. So I've seen it go both ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to leave. But whatever it is, right. you have to be courageous right. to make the decision for yourself. Like that's the number one thing. Right. Whatever it is, you've got to know yourself, know your truth, clear all the, the clutter, you know, do your deep inner healing, your child work and stuff like that to know like what part of this is me and what part is him. You've got to discern mm-hmm. and have all of that, really know yourself, and then you can make the decision. And when you make it, you, you know, yeah. make it courageously. Yeah, that's a great point because there's a lot of women who are very unhappy, but they just feel it's so hard to let go because they're so con- attached to and used to maybe used to that drama and just feel they can't do it on their exactly. own. So all of all of that self work is so important. So how tell people how they can work with you and what what kind of work you do with people? Well, I do deep dives like clearing all the conditioning and the structures that led you to a, hum- a life of drama. I help you clear that stuff out so you can find your own authentic voice in there. And I do it through individual mentoring. I have a program called Reinvent Yourself where you get access to this online thing. And then we do healing work together on the calls together, individual calls. I also do group mentoring calls. And the next program will be starting in September. Um, And I do healing work. So I just do ad hoc healing work as well with people. But I, I really teach people how to walk their own spiritual path because you know, nobody can do it for you, and nobody has your mm-hmm. blueprint. You know, the, the book talks about the unique thumbprint. That is your unique thumbprint. That's you. Nobody else gets it. So if you don't get it, mm-hmm. nobody else will ever understand. You have to understand. So right. I teach what people that, how to that do healing? that. You, what was that healing you said, something hot healing work, or what, what was that? 
ad hoc. Like I do, you know, if you want to just schedule me for an hour healing, that kind of thing, I can do that. But the biggest, okay. the bigger solution is you actually walking your path and getting the tools right. and the healing modalities and the awarenesses that you need to walk your path. That's the solution. And so it's a daily solution. It's not, you know, there's no red button. You're not just going to like push the easy button. Right. And, and where, where, are you, where are you located now in the, in the world? Where do you live now? Well, I do work virtually. So I'm, I'm in Austin, uh-huh. Texas, but I do work uh-huh. virtually. Okay. So you can, right. everything is on my website. It's uh, carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And uh, social media handles pretty much that everywhere as well. Um, but, Beautiful. yeah, I do work and you have a po- people in uh-huh. group and group and individual. And you have a podcast? Yes, soulnectar.show. Soulnectar.show. Awesome. I love it. All right. So, Carrie, thank you so much for spending this time on the Mystical Matchmaker podcast. I could talk to you for, you know, all day. (laughs) There's so much to cover. So much. Yes, hours. We'll have to do it again. So, um, yeah, everybody go check out Carrie Hummingbird's website, and it's also linked up back at Blog Talk Radio. And go to my website, marlamartinson.com, and get your free self-love guided meditation. And if you love this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review. And until next time, everybody, much love. Bye. Bye, Carrie. Bye-bye.